You're listening to the City Church Tallahassee podcast. For more information about City Church, please visit us online at citychurchtallahassee.com. Hey, good evening after a year hiatus. It's good to be back for City Church's Christmas on the Moon. Uh, my name is Dean. Merry Christmas. And Christmas season has officially kicked off in Tallahassee with Christmas on the Moon. It's great to be here. Let's thank Scott Carswell and the Moon staff. Let us be here. We think it's awesome. Uh, they're always very friendly to us. This is our 13th year, 13th year being here. They've always been so kind to us. Let the church come in, do what we do. We're just really grateful. So let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Father, we're so thankful to be here. We're thankful for the moon, their kindness to us. We ask that we tonight can make your kindness known through Christ, and that all of us here, myself included, can understand the Christmas story so we can see how great you are and how good you are to us. We pray for all the churches in Tallahassee this holiday season that we will point people to your love understood in the Christmas story, that you keep the enemy out of this place, out of our city, and let our light shine before others because we believe what is true about Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Have you noticed that the presentation of Christmas, like just the presentation, has become basically perfect I mean, think about your own life, your own family, the TV, whatever it could be. Now, it's not really perfect, because for many, it brings drama Christmas time. It brings debt. Some, it brings sadness as you miss your family member who has passed away, and the holidays just heighten that sense of loss. It's, it's far from perfect Christmas season, but the presentation of it comes across pretty close to that way. That's a different story. I mean, think about Christmas cards. It's like, hey, Jesus was born. Here's a perfect picture of my family, right? Like, that's our culture right now. And you live in a gated community, but there's a picture of you next to a barn in a field. Like a professional picture. Your friends out in Highway 20 were like, I had no idea they were country. I thought I lived in Golden Eagle. You know, that kind of idea. But it's a perfect presentation, the best picture your family has ever taken. And I love Christmas cards. Please send them to me. But the presentation is always perfect. And oftentimes, Instagram versus real life can be a little bit of a different story. Christmas parties, house is perfect, get dressed up. You buy a dress just to host the party. Cater, the best food, everybody's happy, having a great time, as we should. It's almost perfect. Christmas movies, the girl from New York comes back home. Doesn't have the Christmas spirits the best-looking man anyone's ever seen in their life, happens to work in the hardware store. Somehow he's related to Santa. They wind up getting married, and she saves her grandmother's in. It's always, it's always perfect. When you think about the tree at Rockefeller Center, the songs we listen to, the presentation of Christmas really is as good, if it, as good as it gets from a perfect presentation. The actual story of Jesus' birth, what we call Christmas, is not about God entering the picturesque Christmas magic. It's not Christmas morning at Disney at the Magic Kingdom. It's not the Rockettes. It's actually him entering into a mess. And by that, I don't mean the conditions of the manger scene at a barn, but actually the mess of this world. But mainly your mess and mine. You see, baby Jesus is not making a cameo as a decoration at Christmas time. Here's what the Bible says, John chapter 1, verse 14. 
the Word, which is referring to Jesus, the Word, the Bible calls him, became flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, God took residence among us. Like he came here, the creator of the universe, and lived and walked in our mess. The perfect God came here. He put on flesh. He dwelt. He lived. He came among us. And it says, we observed his glory, his greatness, his splendor, his majesty, the glory as the one and only son, the actual one who was promised, the one he claimed to be who's from the Father. And what is he full of? Full of grace and truth. But what is the truth and what is the grace? As this one came to live among us. The truth is you are worse off than you could possibly realize. Because you and I have both sinned against the holy God. If we weren't in bad shape, Christian would be very confusing and unnecessary. Why would the Son of God come to dwell on the earth unless there's an actual mission and a need for him to do so? The truth is you are worse off than you realize, but the grace is you are more loved than you possibly could imagine. You are worse off, Tim Keller, so I first heard say that, a pastor in New York, that you're worse off than you possibly could realize but you are far more loved than you possibly could imagine. And that's not just sentimental words. That's the Christmas story. And we're going to keep going in John tonight just for a little bit. John chapter 3, starting in verse 16. For God loved the world in this way. Well, the Bible is going to actually tell us and show us not just that God loves us, but how he loves us. How did God love the world? He gave his one and only son. That one born in the manger in Bethlehem, that one, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That Christmas is the story of God bringing us eternal life. And we hear these really amazing words. For God did not send his son into the world, meaning Christmas didn't happen to condemn the world. I mean, read, that's one of the easiest things I'll ever read. It's like the least controversial passage I'll ever read in my life. But to save the world through him. That Christmas actually was a rescue mission. But then he flips the coin a little bit here. We go from sentimental, easy to read, non-controversial to verse 18. He just told us he didn't come to the world to condemn the world. But he says anyone who believes in him is not condemned. Good news. But anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he's not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God, meaning they're still in their sin. They've not received God's gift. So it's not that Jesus is coming to condemn anyone. He doesn't come to condemn. They're condemned already because they stand guilty, not of making a mistake, not of messing up one time, but of actually sinning against God and not receiving the gift he has given us that can forgive our sins and cleanse us from our wrongdoing. He says, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And what does light do? It exposes. It allows us to see things. And people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And you might go, that goes a little too far. I might not be a Christian. I might not be on that religious thing, but my deeds aren't evil. I mean, come on, I'm a good person. You know what? I believe you and I think you're right by the standards of this world. But God does not judge us by the standards of this world where as long as you're as good as what suburban Tallahassee calls moral, you're fine. He judges us according to himself. And his standard is perfection. And since you and I have sinned against him, violated his law, saying, God, I don't want to worship you. I want to worship myself or stuff instead. The result of that is that we're condemned. 
But the good news is Christmas. We're far worse off than we realize, far more love than we possibly could imagine. That God sent his one and only son into the world to take on condemnation for us by dying on a cross, raising from the grave three days later so that we could be forgiven and have life. Here's what John Calvin says about John 3.16. He has employed the universal term, whosoever, to invite all indiscriminately to partake of life. That it's an invitation for all people, indiscriminately, to believe and receive and actually not just decorate for Christmas, but believe it for yourself. Now, why the condemned language? It doesn't sound very Christmassy. It starts off safe in John 3, and then it gets to that point that just can make us kind of curl up in our chair a little bit, feel a little uncomfortable. You see, our biggest mess that Jesus entered into is a spiritual mess. And it's because of sin. And again, not just that we've made a mistake, but we've rebelled against God. Here's what one theologian said. If God had perceived that our greatest need was economic, he would have sent an economist. If he had perceived that our greatest need was entertainment, he would have sent us a comedian or an artist. If God had perceived that our greatest need was political stability, might be our second greatest need, side note, he would have sent us a politician. If he had perceived that our greatest need was health, he would have sent us a doctor. But he perceived that our greatest need involved our sin, our alienation from him, our profound rebellion, our death. And what did he send us as a result? A savior who is Christ the Lord. See, to believe in Jesus is to have faith that's directed towards him, faith that's focused on him, that involves a commitment of our lives, saying, yes, you're the one, and I'm going to follow you. You're the Messiah, the one who was promised. And this is indeed the invitation of Christmas, to give our lives to Christ, to give our allegiance to Jesus, to cast ourselves upon him completely as our only hope to fix what was broken, which is our relationship with God. See, every single December, now even probably after Halloween, the commercials promise us that perfection can be ours. Also, who are these people that get a new SUV in their driveway with a red bow around it? Does anyone know those people? I'm like, I, I want to be friends with you. Who are these people? But every Christmas, that perfection never actually comes, does it? What's promised us never actually comes. And it certainly never lasts. So instead, for my own life, and I always speak to myself first, I want to turn to the results of Christmas. Not the world's promises of the season. I want to turn to the results of Christmas, which will actually last forever. And that is this, Romans 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now. As in, there, there, used, to, there used to be different, but now... There's now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Because that baby grew up and lived a perfect life, died a death that we deserved, and rose from the grave three days later, which all Easter is, is showing that Christmas worked. That's what Easter is. It's like God's like spiking the football. His kind of mission accomplished. Because of what Jesus has done, because not even what Christmas started, but promises long ago in the Old Testament that would build and go forward and point us to one. 
then we can live our lives knowing that we don't have to try to measure up to God. Because we already tried that and we failed miserably. The good news is God has come down to us, John 1.14, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That God loved the world in this way, that he gave his son. He didn't come to condemn the world. The world might be saved through him. He is the judgment that is light and grace and truth. At the very beginning, I noted how the presentation of Christmas has become perfect in our culture. But here's the good news. Christmas actually does accomplish perfection. Because God is perfect. Therefore, those who are imperfect can't be in harmony with him. It just makes no sense. What kind of God is that? Imperfect and imperfect, we can be together just fine. That's why it's more tempting to declare my goodness based on comparing myself to somebody else. I can always find somebody a little worse than me, right? Hopefully. Hopefully. A little worse. But here's what Christmas instituted. Perfection. Here is how God now sees the Christian. Tell us about what Jesus did, Ephesians 5, verse 27. He did this, what he accomplished for the church, to present the church to himself. We're called the bride of Christ in splendor without spot or wrinkle, I love this wording, or anything like that. Anything else that comes to mind, he's saying that too. But instead, holy and blameless. Think about your life. Think about how opposite you are of your Christmas card. I mean, think about your life for a minute. And these words, are they true of any of us without spot? or wrinkle, or anything like that? Based on our resumes and track records, and can we really say that we're holy and blameless? Well, I can't, and you can't, but you know who can say that about us? God. Because when you put your trust in Christ, you received his goodness and his righteousness, and God has declared to you, not guilty of your sin because Jesus who never sinned was guilty in your place. So the presentation of Christmas actually should be perfect. But the perfection that we present should be Jesus and not ourselves. Isn't it great news that I don't have to try? I don't have to try to earn God's love? How, imagine that life of daily waking up and believing that my efforts are going to produce God's love for me? No, why does God love me? Because I'm his child. And he sent his one and only son to adopt me into his family because I'm not born a child of God. You're made a child of God through adoption. And Christmas is the kickoff to that amazing truth. So this holiday season, as we call it everywhere, my hope is that you will go all in on the holiday because you realize that God has gone all in for you. All in. By sending his one and only son. And because of that, there's now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. My friends, that baby grew up. And how often do we like the baby in the manger, but the adult, mm, it's like, well, I, I want Jesus to be associated with, but not so much that it messes with anything. Painted our mess. 
so we would never be the same. And following Jesus interferes with your life. But a new life that now focuses on him rather than always on ourselves. I just want to read you this passage one more time. We put it on the screen again because I think it's this important. He did this, what he accomplished, to present the church, which is the people of God, to himself. God receives the glory for all this. The end goal of all is God in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. So we sing Christmas songs this time of year. Some of you started way too early and started singing before the Macy's Parade on Thanksgiving. But we're going to let it slide. You know why? Not just because I'm the Christmas police, but because there's no greater message in all the world that Jesus Christ has come for us. So in a figurative kind of way, we do want to leave our Christmas lights out on the front porch all year long. We want to pretend like we're from Quincy. Why? Why? Because he's come for us in glory. And now we want the world to know that our lives have been changed, not because we cleaned up, but because he cleaned us up without wrinkle or blemish or anything like that. So the presentation of Christmas might be perfect, but the reality is the one who Christmas is about is the true one who is perfect, and he's given us his righteousness and his goodness and has forgiven us of our sins. You are not condemned in Christ. Will you give your life to him? And if you already know him, we actually believe that for yourself and live your life as if there's no condemnation over you. Live your life in freedom for God's glory and love and in grace and in truth, realizing that he actually is the one he claimed to be and therefore is worthy of our very lives. Merry Christmas, and let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for your word. We're thankful that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That you so loved the world in this way that you gave your only son. Lord, I ask for the gift of belief that everyone in this room will believe in the name of the Son of God, that our Christianity won't be a hat tip to you or a hobby or some kind of heritage, but an actual conviction that the baby in the manger really is the Son of God. I thank you for this place, for our church. I ask that you be with us at our coming services in December and Christmas Eve, that the name of Jesus, the love of God, understood in his death and resurrection can be made known to our community. Lord, we thank you for all this. We thank you for Christmas. But we put our lights on figuratively all year long and honor the great name of Jesus Christ and whose name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and sing some good news about Christmas.